Welcome to the most listened to golf in the world, the Fairways of Life show, on air, online, and around the world. With the most candid interviews, unforgettable stories, taking you beyond the ropes. Here's your host, New York Times best-selling author and Golf Channel's Matt Adams. Welcome into the Fairways of Life show. It is always a delight to have your company. What an open it was at Royal Liverpool. Different than it was last year, dramatically different than it was last year, because, of course, last year was 150th at St. Andrews, and this year we returned to Royal Liverpool. In Royal Liverpool, we haven't been there since 2014. This is kind of a blue-collar type feel, a town all built in brick. It was very, very neat to be there and to have the experience there. One night I was coming home from the course. As you guys know, I was doing the world radio feed, and I was walking home from the course. I kid you not. I'm walking. Th- we're about they, – they rent little houses for us, and I think that we probably have five or six houses spread out around Hoylake. And I'm coming home, and I heard the Beatles – Eight days a week, you know, that distinctive kind of rhythm. And I couldn't tell you, I don't know whether it was a band at a pub or whether it was a song coming from a party or somebody's house, because I couldn't really hear the vocals perfectly, but I could hear that distinctive rhythm of eight days a week. And I'm shaking my head going, I can't believe I'm walking through Metro Liverpool listening to the Beatles, you know, at the 151st Open. The performance of Brian Harmon was nothing short of remarkable, given the fact that he had the best players in in the world trying to track him down. And the level of performance that he had, it's always interesting to me when you have someone playing that well. I I always have two questions when, when that's happening. Were they playing that well because the course was gettable? Or did that person play that well because they were just playing out of their mind? When it was all said and done, given how much he won by, it would lend you to believe that Brian Harmon was playing out of his mind. Harmon, the 36-year-old from Georgia, he now is 10th in the world. Get this. He had six bogeys all week. Zero three putts. Let me repeat that. Zero three putts at the open. He was third in driving accuracy at 73% against those crosswinds, against the weather, against all of it, against some quirky angles that you had to play. Strokes gained total, he was first. Again, settle in for a second and listen to the number I'm about to give you. He picked up on the average of the field. That's what strokes gain measurement is. 18.65. In strokes gained total. Strokes gained putting, he picked up more than 11 on the field. Now, coming up, you're going to hear Brian himself talk about the work that he did coming into this Open and how and why it helped him with his putting. You're going to hear him talk about the motivation that he had to win this Open, and part of that motivation happened on the spot. And consider that when you think about the fact that Brian Harmon will be representing the United States on the Ryder Cup team, right? And it's a Ryder Cup in Europe. So little things whispered to you or yelled at you from the gallery ropes matter. They make a difference, and they absolutely can impact the way that one performs. 
You're going to hear all that in the words from Brian Harmon coming up here in just a couple of minutes. Now, for my part, I was there doing what they call open radio. It's basically the world radio feed. In North America, it was on uh, Sirius XM. In the United Kingdom, it was on Talk Sport. Uh, it was around the world on the open.com, on the official open app, etc. So I've been doing that for a number of years. Absolutely love it. It's my favorite week of the year. Uh, the team that we work with is is like a second family. We have so much fun being together. So I had the honor of, of working alongside of our friend. You've seen him on the program many, many times, Paul Eels, who's a winner on the European Tour, now called the DP World Tour. He's a member of the board of the European Tour. He's a consummate broadcaster. He's broadcast for the BBC. He's been broadcasting for us. He broadcasts for Sky, broadcasts for the World Feed, for the, now, again, the DP World Tour, as it's called. So he was on my shoulder twice in two rounds throughout the course of the week. And we end up doing, aside from the bits and pieces that we do, because we come on the air so early, East Coast time in the USA, we're on at 2 a.m. Uh, each day. Uh, so that's 7 a.m. for us in Royal Liverpool. Uh, so we end up doing, we end up doing officially six rounds, each of us, that are in the field because you do 36 holes on Thursday, 36 holes on Friday, and then 18 and 18 generally on Saturday and Sunday. But the other parts of it that you're doing a lot of is going out early, following groups. Like I, I usually go out at the first tee and I'm following groups early and I'll follow them for a few holes, loop back around the first tee and see other groups coming through and get you a chance to, to talk about some different stars as they happen. Well, as it happened, Paul Eels and I were assigned to, and here's, I, I can see and preview some of the photos that Andrew's ha- getting ready there, that you can see is out. And it was in stark contrast because the photos, uh, this photo was taken earlier. I mean, that's Paul Eels in the middle there using my clipboard because in the backside of it, I taped down with electrical tape sound insulation. So when you put the microphone in there, you can't, you can't hear it. When you, you could be standing right next to somebody. I basically did it for the Ryder Cup because the people are so close to us. Uh, that shot there was taken when it was when it was absolutely pouring rain in the background. You can see some of the umbrellas that that the people had up, it, and that also contributed to people saying, "Geez, the crowd sounded so muted at that open." It was. It was a different feel at the open. That's Sophie Walker there from the LET. Uh, who I had a, a pleasure working with. And, and as I mentioned, you had the little houses that they put us in. This is what they look like, these little row houses. They're a lot bigger than you think they would be, but, it, but it's great. So, you know, when it's early, the grandstands are empty, and we're just out there doing our thing, bringing you guys the broadcast around the world, and it is a lot of fun. I mean, obviously, the bunkers were talked about a great deal. This was a shot I took of a practice bunker after they started raking the, the sand back up towards the side to try to get the ball to propel back into the middle just a little bit. So it, it's, it gives you a sense of, you know, what the players were upset about early in the week when, when they said that the ball was settling right at the bottom and they had no option but to just smash into it and it'd pop almost straight up in the air and land a couple inches from the bunker. At one point, Wyndham Clark had that and it rolled back into the bunker because shaping, oh, this fo- this was when I was coming back. This was in the airport. I was done working. Don't judge me. Yeah. Eggs and over here, tater tots and porridge and a, and a Guinness. I was happy for it. But so Paul Eels and I found out on Saturday evening that we were assigned to the final group. We were going to be with Cam Young and we were going to be with Brian Harmon. And we just kept marching along until we reached the final 
whole, the, the, the moment that would define this 2023 Open. And courtesy to NBC with the video we're going to show you, uh, I had one of the great honors of my life again in that I had to make the final call at an Open. Uh, I've had, uh, again, it's an honor that I've had, thankfully, a number of times, usually by accident, because last year, for example, with Cam Smith, he charged from behind, and I could I could quote multiple times that it happened when we didn't expect it to. In this case, we had a pretty good idea that Brian Harmon would close the deal. And so with that, here's a, here's a glimpse of how it ended. And now... Brian Harmon staying resolutely in his routine. This is for par at 18. This would be to keep him on 13 under par, but he has this championship firmly and comfortably in the palm of his hand right now. This 36-year-old from Georgia. He's a sportsman. He loves to hunt and to fish. And he's holding the big one. Brian Harmon is the champion golfer of the year. He has won the 151st Open at Royal Liverpool. Winning call for Brian Harmon from the 2023 Open. And that was fun. Thanks for letting me share that with you. Thank you to Open Radio and thank you. Uh, to NBC Sports 2 for imagery. Now, for Brian Harmon, when he addressed the media, he was asked about a lot of different things. And and I just want to give you some context as you hear the edit that John and, and Andrew and Don put together from this sound where he was asked about, did you always believe in yourself and that you could achieve something of this monumental stature? Why do you think that there were some boos out there on the tees today? And again, I, I don't think we should weigh that too heavily. I was out there every step of the way, and they were extremely uh, respectful to Brian Harmon. But they also had the people that they wanted to win their Open, and you can understand that. It'd be no different than when an Open is held at venues in the United States where the crowd is very vocal and very involved. They have their favorites, and they want their favorites to win, and you can't blame anybody for that. But there were instances where... I wouldn't say they were whispered, but it wasn't a huge crowd. There were individuals, and those messages did get through to Brian Harmon because he heard them. And it helped, actually, pave his way to becoming the Open champion. Isn't that crazy when you think about that, how it worked the complete opposite of whatever that, that particular person was hoping to accomplish? What change that allowed you to suddenly have success at Lynx Golf was asked. How much do you look forward to coming back to the Open now for the rest of your career for Brian Harmon. Uh, how do you think your life will change by winning the Open? Anything specific you plan to drink from the jug? What do you think about bringing, uh, being on Team Golf, which he has before? He's represented the United States before in Team Golf, but I'll let him, I'll let him answer to that. What motivated you to right the ship after your bogeys early in the week? Remember, he had a bogey early in that round. He had two more after that in the two ladder bogeys that he had. In both instances, he birdied the two following holes. Not only a bounce-back birdie, but a bounce-back and a bounce-back. Think about that for a second in terms of resolve. Uh, did you hear anything negative out there from the fans? Question had to be asked, an interesting response. Can you imagine what it would be like if, if a fan out there, uh, it, what it was like to be a fan out there in the rain? The weather was horrendous in the final day. It's about as wet as I've ever been calling a golf game. 
he was asked about uh, Kirby Smart, how he helped him. He was asked what you do to relax and, and what you do to come down from something like this. Can you imagine the adrenaline must be flowing through you? How do you deal with – how did he deal with the, the weather throughout the course of the week? And then this, and it's a perfect place for us to start. How does it feel to sit down and to be introduced now as the Open champion? Yeah, I'm just – I'm over the moon. Um, it was a – Tough last three days, it really was. Being able to to, to get some sleep was a was big last night. Sleeping on a lead like that's uh, really difficult. So glad of the way I hung in there the last couple of days, got off to a bad start both days, and I uh, turned it around. So really happy with that. You know, uh, yesterday was supposed to be terrible, and, and I got out, and um, the weather turned, and it was, you know, fantastic weather, you know, all things considered yesterday. And then today, you know, I'm looking at the forecast, I'm like, yeah, what the hell they know? And I get out here, and it was, it was Armageddon. It was bad. It was really, really tough. And um, I haven't historically done very good in the rain. It's just always bugged me. Um, so I, I was really proud of the way that I struck the ball in the rain today. My uh, family is up at uh, Lake House in upstate New York. So I'm going to get there tomorrow evening, and then I'll spend three days with them, and we'll do some fishing, and I'll get to spend some really good time with my family. So that's where I'll disappear, and then... Um, take it, take it from there. No, I didn't speak with Kirby. I just, I've been really impressed with the way that he's handled uh, success, and so I've always kind of, I just always pay attention when really successful people talk. You know, there's always clues there as to how they feel, and I, I just, I've always, I've admired the fact that even with all the success that he's had, it's all about the next play, the next game, you know, the next week of practice, and. He knows that the you know the results come because of you know what you do in the trenches. Yeah, I found this. Um, I found this. Uh, it's a silly looking mirror where it's got like a little better release pattern. Uh, I, I was just kind of cutting cutting my putts too much, and this I spent a lot of time just feeling the ball. You know, almost hitting like a baby draw with my putter, and it's been really really good the last month or so. I picked it up on the putting green at some tournament. Uh, over the years, you know, there's all sorts of trinkets and, and, and different things on, you know, up until Wednesday. So I saw it, liked it, um, hadn't been putting very good this year until the last month or so. Uh, but I found that in my, in my barn at my house and, and uh, made sense and I started putting well with it. Well, normally uh, they do such a great job of letting you know where your golf ball is because the applause here is always, you know, great. They, they appreciate really good shots. But since everyone's holding an umbrella, it's hard for everyone to, to clap. So there was a couple times I got up like, oh, that's a little better than I, a little better than I thought it was. But the fans here have been incredible. Um, my hat's off to them. You know, they packed the stands today, and I damn sure wouldn't have been out watching golf today. Yeah, it uh, sounded like from uh, some of the fans that uh, I, I, I haven't seen any beer cards, but there must be tons of them out there. <laughs> there were fleeting thoughts throughout the day, um, but uh, – I just I told myself I wasn't gonna let I wasn't gonna let any of that come into my brain. So anytime that it came, I just thought of something else, and uh, I didn't. I really, honestly, didn't think about winning until I had the ball in the green on 18. You know, I've always had uh, self belief that that I could do something like this. It was just you know when it takes so much time, you know, it's hard not to let your you know your mind falter. Like, you know, maybe I'm not winning again. I'm 36 years old. Game's getting younger. All these young guys coming out, you know, 
hit it a mile and they're all ready to win, like, when is it going to be my turn again? And um, it's been it's been hard to deal with. I mean, I, I I think someone mentioned that I've had more top tens, more top tens than anyone since 2017. So that's a lot of times like where you get done, and you're like, damn it, man! Like I had that one. I, it just didn't happen for whatever reason. So um, yeah, to to come out and put a performance like that together, like start to finish, you know, just just had a lot of control. I, I don't know why this week, but I, I'm very thankful that it was this week. Yeah, it's 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 pretty surreal. It really hasn't sunk in yet. Um, yeah, it's 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 really cool. I, I just yeah, man. I, I'm not I'm not gonna let it out of my sight for the 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 time the time being for sure. After I made the second bogey yesterday, a guy when I was passing him, he said, "Harmon, you don't have the stones for this." That helped. That was, the, that was the motivation? Yeah, that helped a lot. I think he was a... Uh, anyway, that, that helped. I mean, it just helped snap me back in, like, you know, that I, I'm good enough to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to go through my process, and the next shot's going to be good. You know, I'm not going to give that guy any more. I shouldn't have given him credit right there. Uh, but, I mean... Yeah, I just, just, the, just the resilience, just knowing... I, I knew I was going to make... You know, I, I figured at some point that I was not, I was going to hit bad shots. I mean, it just with the weather and the, the scenario, you're going to hit bad shots. And I knew that the way I responded to that would determine whether I'd be sitting here or not. You know, I'm, I'm going to I'm going to uh, kick that can down the road a little bit. I'm going to enjoy this. Um, and then uh, so the next thing for me will be the, the our playoffs, uh, what, I, what I'll be looking forward to. I enjoy match play. I've done well in the, all the match play tournaments I've played in. Um, had a really good junior record and uh, amateur record in match play. I, I enjoy the head-to-head competition. Um, so, yeah, I, I really enjoy match play. Brian, um, just curious, do you have anything specific in mind that you're going to drink out of that jug? Guinness. Guinness? Mm-hmm. Tonight? Tonight. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't see how it's going to – I mean, I might – I'll be in some better tee times. You know, I'll get. The, I'll have to do a couple more interviews at golf tournaments. But uh, I, I've got a great family. Uh, I've got hobbies that I really like. Um, I have a very comfortable life uh, that I enjoy. So I wouldn't want my life to change any. Yeah, I look forward to coming back for a really long time. This has always been. Uh, I, you know, growing up in Georgia, you know, I've watched. Obviously, being a huge fan of golf, I've watched the Open Championship. We'd wake up early and watch it. And uh, I, I never knew how much I'd appreciate it until the first time I came and played in 2014. I just didn't know what to expect. You grew up in Georgia. It's all the Masters. It's all, you know, it's just, it's proximity. It's where, but I came here and I was like, wow, man, this is unbelievable. The fans are incredible. Everyone understands golf over here. It was just a delight to play. And so, yeah, man, I'm stoked. I'm stoked to come back here. Yeah, I, I, I missed those four cuts. I think I missed all of them by one. Like, I played some okay golf, um, so it wasn't like I was over here hacking it to pieces. I just couldn't I couldn't quite get comfortable, and I felt like I was – I just maybe I rushed through it too much. Um, and then last year, I finally felt like, it's like, man, if I'd have played a little bit better those first couple of days, I could have been right there. So I was excited to come back here this year. I think coming over for the Scottish helped out a lot getting ready and, and really putting all my eggs in the basket of playing well here. Don't, don't know. Maybe, um, you know, you had, you had Fleetwood and Rory, Rory's making a run, Fleetwood, and, and uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's fine. Everybody's got their team they're rooting for.
Yeah, um, I, I heard them, and I, I, I don't hold any. If they wanted me to not play well, they should have been really nice to me. <laughs> I had a lot of success as a junior golfer. I won the U.S. Junior, and then as an amateur, I was the number one ranked amateur in the world for a, a good while. Made the, I was the youngest American to get picked for the Walker. I had success, like I had the pedigree, and then um, yeah, I got to college and it just kind of sputtered a little bit. Just didn't, I just didn't keep up with the, you know, I just didn't keep up with the progression. And my pro career has been been really good at times and not good at times. So. Um, this year's last year felt like I kind of found something a little bit and, um, yeah, man, I'm just, I don't know. It's, it's been great. Incredible stuff from Brian Harmon. Congratulations. I'm winning the 151st open at Royal Liverpool. Now where there is a winner, there are those that did not. And coming up, we're going to hear from a couple of the game's superstars that were unable to close in on Brian Harmon in the form of John Rahm and Rory McIlroy. The Fairways of Life show is presented by the PGA Tour Superstore, the number one golf retailer in all of America. Why? Because of the big, beautiful stores. There's no doubt about that. You need it. You're going to be able to find it for your game inside of those stores. Uh, you, If you don't have one of their big, beautiful stores near you, though, you can always get started at PGATourSuperstore.com to see everything that is on offer where you are shopping with the pros at your happy place. Easy now. Find your happy place. The PGA Tour Superstore. It's all in the hips. Where every swing is possible. Just tap it in. Yes! <laughs> Find all the latest gear, apparel, and personalized club fittings. Is this goodbye? We've only just begun. Shop with the pros at Golf's Happy Place, the PGA Tour Superstore. In Ireland, golf is more than just a game. Come and experience our world-famous Lynx courses and our world-famous Parkland courses, all set alongside world-famous scenery. And visit our world-famous historic sites. And while you're here, enjoy our world-famous hospitality. Fill your heart with Ireland at ireland.com forward slash golf. It screams. It tracks. It's soft. It reacts. It is the Bridgestone Tour B with a game-changing reactive cover designed to spring faster off your driver and stick longer to your wedges. Try Bridgestone's Tour Bs. The Tour Ball reinvented. The Gen 6 Iron is a culmination of everything that we have learned as a team. The absolute best golf club I have ever hit. It's something special. Say hello to the new PXG Gen 6 Iron. The longest, most accurate irons we've ever made. They go higher and farther than any iron that I have hit to date. And they're so easy to hit. Super excited for the consumer to try this. They're going to love them. PXG, nobody makes golf clubs the way we do, period. Baseball? Nah. Football? Done it. I think I'm going to go after the PGA Tour. Bo, you're going to need the right equipment company. I think I got that. You know Tour Edge backs all their clubs with a lifetime warranty. I know. They ship all their premium custom clubs in 48 hours. I know. All their premium clubs are hand-built in the USA. I know. 
You know, Tour Edge has won 35 times out here. Guys, I know. Pound for pound, nothing comes close. This is the Wiz. It tracks your swing in real time. Got it. One, zero, one. Gives you feedback in real time. Instead of guessing, I get the direct feedback. The Wiz have really helped me to keep that consistent swing. You can go out there on your own and just hit balls and it'll fix your golf game. Transition on plane. DeWiz, sold exclusively at DeWizGolf.com. Welcome back to the Fairways of Life show. Having fun taking a look back at everything that made the Open like it always is. An incredibly special event. Obviously one of the four majors in the world of golf each year. So where in football, you know, you have one Super Bowl. We have four a year and they all have their different character and they are unique in and of themselves. I don't know which one is your favorite. It doesn't really matter which one is your favorite. I just love the fact that the game of golf has these four majors that are so special in a performance that was Brian Harmon was mind blowing compared to the rest of the field. Now, one of those who got started late and tried to chase him down, of course, was John Rahm, who ended up finishing in a tie for second in the first round. He shot at 74. You remember John Rahm was kind of angry in the opening round. He was playing alongside of Rory McIlroy. There was a lot of media out there. Rory was very much one of the crowd favorites and, he was, uh, John Ryan was saying there was too many people. He couldn't walk at the speed that he wanted to. He was getting blocked, et cetera, et cetera. Well, he followed up that 74 with a round of 70. And by the third round, he had started to really find his stride. A 63 by John Rahm on a golf course that had started to soften from the rains that were coming through. A 70 in his Sunday attempt to track down Brian Harmon. So John Rahm spoke to the media afterwards, and a lot of the discussion was centered on looking forward, right? Which, which we're going to talk about here in the Fairways of Life show in just a little bit too, which was the Ryder Cup. The Ryder Cup will be coming to us in September from outside of Rome at Marco Simone. Uh, it's going to be about 12 miles from the center of the Eternal City. So he was asked first and foremost here about how he feels after this Open where so many European players played well, does it bode well for the Ryder Cup too? I'm not gonna lie, I'm absolutely clueless about who's around me on the leaderboard. Uh, yeah, it's just it's not know, like I'm you... paying attention to where anybody's yeah, from or we're going. Um, yeah, I mean it's been a good year for the Europeans, but what you do during the year really doesn't matter when you go to the Ryder Cup, right? It's, it's 18 whole matches. It's about showing up that day. So um, that's why I think Europe has done a really good job in the past. Right. Uh, we always hear about the accolades the American team always has, and they still do. And on paper, they should be better, but it's all about what you do against the man in front of you that day. So, you know, um, Still a very positive that you have so many of us playing good golf and up there in the leaderboards. Well, uh, goal was to hopefully win an Open. That's done. So now focus on the playoffs. That's all I can say. Uh, good golf takes care of things. Right? So let's golf. He won by six. He won by six. It's not like he won by two or three. He won by six. So there's nothing really any of us could have done. There's nothing any of us could have done. You know, I just finished the Open Championship. I'm not going to lie. I love the Ryder Cup, but it's not really in my mind right now, <laughs> uh, especially after the day we had today. I'm looking forward to a shower. Uh, but, you know, I know we're going to have a lot of new faces on the team, and everybody wants to rectify what happened two years ago. Um, so with, uh, you know, with, with Luke's guidance, 
we're going to have a really strong team and I'm looking forward to it. You know, we should have a really good chance of, of getting that cup back and, and defending home turf. I'm going to try. I mean, it's two Ryder Cups. It's not like I have five yeah, or six yeah. like some others did, right? It's, it's two. But... Uh, Which is generally your experience, generally, until you yeah, 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 yeah. Listen, if they want me to be a role model or, or a leader on the team, I will be. Uh, I'm not the most vocal. I'm, I, I'm quite introverted myself, but I'll do, I'll do what I can. I'll try to channel my inner Seve and, and do what I can do. Channel your inner Seve. Watch out for John Rahm then on the Ryder Cup. Now, Rory McIlroy, you've been hearing me talk about it. I, I talked about it before, that sound you just heard from John Rahm. You heard me talk about it in the last segment that there were their favorites that they wanted to do well there. The last time we were there, Rory McIlroy won, which incidentally was the last time he won a major. They vehemently wanted Tommy Fleetwood to win, a local. He, only, he grew up like 20 miles away. Plus any of the other big stars, when it's your club, think about it if, if it was a major championship being held at where you play your golf. When it's your club, you would love one of the big name players to win. Well, in this case, we had Brian Harmon win who this major championship represents his third win on the PGA Tour at 36 years old. So for Rory McIlroy, who's now going, by the time we tee it up at Augusta National next, next April, we're talking about Rory McIlroy being 10 years on from the last time that he won a major. So from Rory's perspective, how do you take in everything that you've done in your career to this point, to the gap from the last time that you won a major, even though he's knocking on the door, U.S. Open, et cetera. But how do you sort it all, and how do you, as a result, balance and judge your performance at the Open at Royal Liverpool? Uh, solid performance. Uh, improved on my score every day. Um, yeah, you know, I you know, missed a few putts uh, yesterday. Felt like I putted a bit better today. Um, it was just hard. I needed to go out and shoot something 63, 64-ish, but really hard to do that in those conditions. You know, it was like I got off to the, the really good start, but it's just hard to keep that going. As you can see from the leaderboard, um, you know, no one's really going that low. So, um, you know, just tricky conditions out there and, um, you know, very reluctant to hit the driver because the club face gets wet and the ball could go anywhere. So um, sort of had to lay back off tees and, and sort of try to, try to play as, as conservatively and as, and as smart as possible. So, um, but yeah, overall, you know, solid performance, not spectacular, but, uh, you know, a lot of optimism going into the rest of the year. I think a little bit of both, you know, over the last two years, would I have loved to have picked one of those off that I finished up there? Absolutely. But um, every time I tee it up, uh, or, you know, most times I tee it up, I'm, I'm right there. So, um, you know, I can't, I can't, sit here and be too frustrated my games in a you know you think about my performances in the majors between like 2016 and 2019 you know it's it's a lot better than that so um you know i'm again i'm optimistic about the future and uh just gotta keep plugging away i don't i don't think that way um i think about trying to go and win a fourth fedex cup here in a couple of weeks time go try and win a fifth race to dubai try and win a fifth Ryder Cup. Um, I just keep looking forward. You know, I've heard some of the criticism from different media sources after the victor, Brian Harmon, uh, that Rory McIlroy, who was trying to chase him down, and as you just heard him say, he dug himself into a hole and he couldn't get himself out. And 
some saying, well, he's getting a little long in the tooth at 34 years old. And I scratch my head and go, wait a minute. Brian Harmon just won with a masterful performance at 36. The Fairways of Life show is presented in part by DeWiz Golf. Log on to DeWizGolf.com and see this incredible wearable device that will monitor your game in ways that it, you've never had it done before. You've heard people say feel isn't real. Well, it is when you're wearing a, De, a DeWiz device because it can measure your swing plane. It can measure your tempo. It, there are so many parameters that can be measured. And once you get this data, it is a swing modifier. Find out for yourself. Just log on to DeWizGolf.com today. When we come back, we're going to talk about the implications of all of this. The majors of 2023 are over. What does it mean for the Ryder Cup? I guess, hello world, huh? <laughs> and with one subtle hello, Tiger began an amazing and unthinkable career. I've done it for 20 years now with, with Bridgestone. It allows me to play an aggressive style around the greens, and it's allowed me to win a lot of tournaments. Bridgestone Golf, proud to be part of your journey. Boyne Golf provides the ultimate world-class golf destination with 10 championship-caliber courses spanning three resorts. Centered in Michigan's northern Lower Peninsula, the courses are the products of some of the game's masters, including Robert Trent Jones Sr., Arthur Hills, and Donald Ross. From the all-inclusive vacation packages, elite instruction with the Boyne Golf Academy, tournaments, and so much more, Boyne Golf truly offers an unrivaled Michigan golf vacation experience. Just log on to BoyneGolf.com. This is the Wiz. It tracks your swing in real time. Got it. One zero one gives you feedback in real time. Instead of guessing, I get the direct feedback. The Wiz have really helped me to keep that consistent swing. You can go out there on your own and just hit balls, and it'll fix your golf game. Transition on plane. The Wiz sold exclusively at thewizgolf.com. <laughs> Easy now. Find your happy place. The PGA Tour Superstore. It's all in the hips. Where every swing is possible. Just tap it in. Yes! <laughs> Find all the latest gear, apparel, and personalized club fittings. Is this goodbye? We've only just begun. Shop with the pros at Golf's Happy Place, the PGA Tour Superstore. Say hello to the new PXG Gen 6 driver. This is the driver. It is absolutely fantastic on performance, distance, on looks, on feel and sound. Beyond forgiving. I am supremely confident that when a golfer hits our Gen 6 drivers, they are going to have some of the best golfing days they've ever had. PXG, nobody makes golf clubs the way we do, period. Zero Friction introduces the Wheel Pro Push Cart Golf Bag with its revolutionary 3-in-1 design, supportive legs that spring into action, a comfort grip handle with three locking positions, accessories for the modern golfer enhanced by seven pockets for more storage, and removable all-terrain wheels which slide right into place. The new Zero Friction Wheel Pro Golf Bag checks every box for every golfer. Push, carry, or cart, the decision is yours thanks to Zero Friction. Head to ZeroFriction.com today. 
Welcome back to the Fairways of Life Show. Pleasure to have your company from wherever you are joining us, folks. Hey, please don't forget, you can catch us weekdays at 8 a.m. Eastern Time for our live Fairways of Life Show. We are the only independent daily live golf talk and news show that is available for free around the world. Just log on to our YouTube page. That is the Fairways of Life YouTube page and hit subscribe there and you can get us every single day just like you are uh, right now. So the Ryder Cup in the Ryder Cup picture and what it all means. Zach Johnson was asked about it after he finished play at the open. Now, Zach Johnson ended up finishing in a tie for 55th position at five over par, which is pretty darn good for Zach Johnson. He was asked about as the Ryder Cup duties ramp up even more, how do you think he's he's able to balance it all as a captain and as a player? Do you think that uh, is Zach Johnson extra motivated or anybody, any player is extra motivated to make the team uh, because he is the captain. That's an interesting question. I, I don't think I've ever heard of a player saying, yeah, I really want to make the team because so-and-so is captain. I think they want to make the team because they're representing uh, where they're from. Uh, he was asked about his thoughts on Brian Harmon being a part of the United States Ryder Cup team, bearing in mind what you're about to hear from Zach was was filmed before Brian had secured his Open Championship. And he started with this about how his team was shaping up for Rome and the very, very difficult decisions that he's going to be facing, which we're going to break down for you. One of those is what he's what happens to Justin Thomas. You've got Justin Thomas with a 6-2-1-1 record in the Ryder Cup. In overall, both Ryder Cup and President's Cup, his record is 10-2-3. But for the game of Justin Thomas right now, it's definitely off the boil. Here is the captain on those subjects and more, and then you'll hear from JT. I mean, I think I've got uh, a selection of riches. So, again, more positives than anything. I mean, I, I, the state of American golf's great. Um, you know, some of the guys that are kind of on the fringe are starting to play really well, which is awesome. Uh, I would prefer that my decision's really difficult. That means the guys are in a good state and in a good form, which is really ultimately what's important. Well, he's a, he's a really good friend of mine. We live on the same rock island, if you will. Um, St. Simon's Island. Uh, known him for years. Great family. Great, great wife. Great kids. So, the Harmons are dear friends of mine. Um, what is transpiring this week? I would even say last week and the last couple tournaments he's played in does not surprise me in the least. Uh, he is a very formidable competitor. Number one. Number two. Hey, what does Brian Harmon do really well? Well, he does everything quite well. He's a very good driver of the golf ball and a very, very, very good putter. Uh, and then if everything else is good, then it's it can be pretty lethal. Our games are very similar, except for the fact that he stands on the wrong side of the golf ball. Um, he hits a little bit further. Uh, he's gritty, and um, he's got a great ensemble of coaches and, and a team. So, I mean, what I've seen, it's three days, but what I've seen so far in three days has not surprised me in the least. Uh, over the years, I've had discussions with him, and my advice to him, because I've been in that position, fortunately, uh, on both sides of it, um, I've made some teams that I thought I might miss, and I missed some teams that you know I had, thought I had a chance. And uh, what you have to do, and this is, I mean, it's very cliche, but you have to be simple-minded and that you have to be right where your feet are. You cannot 
excuse me, I cannot. I don't know what other. I, I firmly believe the more you stay right where you're supposed to be and try to improve each and every day, the other things, those other opportunities or other outcomes take care of themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, I've voiced that to him over the years because he's been close. I can think off the top of my head two or three times uh, where he could have been, you know, I mean, a, a couple more decent rounds here or finishes here, he probably is in the realm of discussion, right, or if, if not even further than that. So um, he's still young enough, and um, competitive enough. I think there's still room for improvement in his game, which is pretty scary because I think he's really, really good. Um, and so, uh, you know, let, let's see what transpires today. But there, there's 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 so much golf. Whether this is a great day for him or an average day or a poor day, uh, his his best golf is still in front of him in my in my mind. Uh, I mean, yeah, I've got I've got a lot of things on my plate when it comes to the cup. Uh, most of it is discussion and just communicating with um, the powers that be, whether it's my vice captains or the PGA of America. Um, what's next? I'm trying to think what is next. Well, you have I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm pl- I, honestly, what's fresh in my mind is I got my foundation event next week. That's a big deal mm-hmm. and a big respons- massive responsibility. And then the next week I'm going to play Wyndham, and mm-hmm. so I'm going to compete. And then I think I probably got to win to get into Memphis, but that's going to be my goal. If I don't, I don't know if I have to go to Memphis. I might, I might make an appearance just to show face, but I, I don't think I have to. Okay. I'm definitely going to Chicago. Is it Chicago? Yeah, yeah, BMW. Yeah. BMW Chicago. Yeah, I have to go there, yeah. and I want to go there, and I should be there. And so between now and, say, Chicago, it's going to be discussions. It's yeah. going to be um, probably solidifying, solidifying my leadership team and then, uh, you know, starting to piece some things together. But, you know, the, the, our point system is just so volatile because of the inflated – our point system is based on money, and when you yeah. inflate the money, yeah. volatility enhances – or ensues, yeah. excuse me, yeah. ensues. So, it, you know, I can't sit here and say that, oh, this is going to happen, that's going to happen, this guy's going to – I have no idea yeah. because you just never know what might happen based on how guys finish. Yeah. Um, you know, the top – finishing in the top ten in one of those elevated events is just substantial. I do not envy – the position that Zach Johnson is in to have to make the decision of who his captain's picks are going to be. One of those big question marks that I was mentioning to you is that of Justin Thomas. So in this piece, what we did was we put together as a promise we would comments from Zach Johnson that were made prior to those that you just heard talking about JT and his relationship with JT and the merits of JT and then JT after the open saying what his emotions were, kind of starting to state his case for being on the team, but really more so talking about the Ryder Cup from the heart. Well, as a friend and roommate, uh, I mean, I'm concerned just because he's my buddy um, and I know what he's capable of. With the Ryder I Cup do battle. know, well, yeah, I mean, obviously he's a stalwart in that event, right? Um, I don't know his record off the top of my head, but I know it's good as a european uh, i can assure you it's very good it's, it's very decent. good yeah and and again he those kind of moments like that he's one of the best there is so let's hope whatever sort of uh non-peak he's in it's short um 
I know he's got a great team. I, I, I love his coaches. I love how he manage. He works. He's a worker. So guys with talent like that that work and aren't afraid to put their work in the dirt, if you will, not to be cliche, typically find it. It's just a matter of when, not if. And uh, I mean, I might be slightly concerned, like I said, as a friend, but I'm not I'm not worried about him because I know how, I know what he does and I know what he's capable of. I want to make the Ryder Cup more than anything. Um, and I'm, I'm probably honestly trying too hard to do it. I mean, it reminds me a lot of my first uh, first or second year on tour. I mean, I'm, I've tried so hard to make that team for the first time. And, um, you know, I'm in a very similar position. And I'm trying to, I've been trying to make it easy on Zach and get in the top six. But um, I seem to not want to do that with my golf. But, you know, have, uh, have a couple events left to try to get in the playoffs and then make a little bit of a run and try to prove a point. It's certainly not going to be easy on Zach. We'll talk about that a little bit more coming up here on the Fairways of Life show. Stay with us. Relax. Easy now. Find your happy place. The PGA Tour Superstore. It's all in the hips. Where every swing is possible. Just tap it in. Yes! <laughs> Find all the latest gear, apparel, and personalized club fittings. Is this goodbye? We've only just begun. Shop with the pros at Golf's Happy Place, the PGA Tour Superstore. In Ireland, golf is more than just a game. Come and experience our world-famous Lynx courses and our world-famous Parkland courses, all set alongside world-famous scenery and visit our world-famous historic sites. And while you're here, enjoy our world-famous hospitality. Fill your heart with Ireland at ireland.com forward slash golf. It screams. It tracks. It's soft. It reacts. It is the Bridgestone Tour B with a game-changing reactive cover designed to spring faster off your driver and stick longer to your wedges. Try Bridgestone's Tour Bs, the Tour Ball reinvented. The Gen 6 Iron is a culmination of everything that we have learned as a team. The absolute best golf club I have ever hit. It's something special. Say hello to the new PXG Gen 6 Iron. The longest, most accurate irons we've ever made. They go higher and farther than any iron that I have hit to date. And they're so easy to hit. Super excited for the consumer to try this. They're going to love them. PXG, nobody makes golf clubs the way we do, period. Baseball? Nah. Football? Done it. I think I'm going to go after the PGA Tour. Bo, you're going to need the right equipment company. I think I got that. You know Tour Edge backs all their clubs with a lifetime warranty. I know. They ship all their premium custom clubs in 48 hours. I know. All their premium clubs are hand-built in the USA. I know. You know Tour Edge has won 35 times out here. Guys, I know. Pound for pound, nothing comes close. This is the Wiz. It tracks your swing in real time. Got it. One, zero, one. Gives you feedback in real time. Instead of guessing, I get the direct feedback. The Wiz have really helped me to keep that consistent swing. You can go out there on your own and just hit balls and it'll fix your golf game. Transition on plane. 
DeWiz, sold exclusively at DeWizGolf.com. Welcome back to the Fairways of Life show. Pleasure of your company on this. What day is it anyway? Tuesday? Tom, one thing that was funny that happened coming back yesterday. I was in Manchester Airport and I was flying Aer Lingus. And because I'm always flying Aer Lingus, you know, going to Ireland and stuff, I have what they call silver status, whatever that is. I think it's the first level of basically saying, uh, dude, you fly us all the time. You can go into like one of those. They call it a lounge. What's nice about it, though, is you go in there and, and I mean, Andrew, I think you showed the picture earlier, my Breakfast of Champions. You can go in there and get what you want. So I had, all of us did, but we worked so hard. It's about 12 to 14 hours that we're on the air per day to to do these broadcasts. And so by the time I got there, yeah, I had myself breakfast that, you know, they had porridge there. They, I scrambled eggs and, and the potatoes that were like the little tater tots which I don't actually like as much, but I realize that they, that restaurants probably buy them in the big bags. And what do they do with those, Tom? Just heat them up? The little, they're all pre-made, right? You just heat them up. For which, which thing? The, the little, like, tater all, stop things. calling it porridge. First of all, you've got to stop calling it porridge, all right? I'm going go insane. You keep calling it porridge. No, it's not porridge. It's oatmeal. Well, it's not cream of wheat. It's, it's oatmeal. If it's not oatmeal, it's grits. Porridge. Oh, it's definitely not. What are grits. we in? We're, we, we're in a fable from 1812 here. What are we talking about? No, that's what the sign said. Porridge. I, that's what I ate. No. So what's the so question anyway, you're asking about tater tots? I was asking you about the tater tots, and from because because of your knowledge as a restaurant tour. Okay. Uh, uh, depending on the quality of the restaurant, it doesn't have to be frozen, but based on that photograph and my knowledge of where you eat. Uh, those are pre-packaged frozen tater tots that, that they That last fry. part you just said, my knowledge of where you eat. So what I was getting at with all of that is you go into these places, and they have this place. I've never seen anything else like it. They didn't have a bar where you could order, like, a Bloody Mary or something. They basically <laughs> just had bottles of liquor laid out. And then underneath them, coolers, where they had every imaginable type of beer. So the Guinness that you saw in that picture was, you know, from the can. And you pop it, and it's got what they call the widget inside, and you hear it, like, release the nitro gas. So I was like, yeah, I, I worked so hard. I'm done working. I've got a 10-hour flight ahead of me where I'm just going to be chilling back in steerage, watching movies. I watched uh, two, two Mission Impossible movies and i watched the the second uh, indiana jones movie for no good reason at all just i felt like it. so i'm hanging out in this lounge and those re- those refrigerators i was telling you about i was crouching down looking through the refrigerator thinking like ah, you know who's going to judge me at having a a guinness which was i wasn't on east coast time yet remember i was still on a british summertime so i had that you know, it was still my breakfast because i had to get a taxi over from liverpool so it was probably 10.30 in the morning-ish. So it would have been, what, 5.30 East Coast time, if, if you insist and judge me there. And so I'm crouching down, and I'm, I'm digging through the refrigerator to, to pull out a can of this Guinness, and I hear someone say, Matt Adams. And I'm like, figures, I'd be caught, right? So 
I stand up, <laughs> I, I look around, and it's Paul Caught. Azinger, and he walks up and he goes, Matt Adams. He goes, Paul Azinger. I'm like, Zing, I know who you are. <laughs> you don't have to introduce yourself. And then did he judge you? What What are you doing? <laughs> Not really, no, to tell you the truth. Or was he like, can you grab one of those for me too? <laughs> no, he didn't. He didn't really acknowledge the Guinness at all. But I, but I was near, I was sitting at one of those little round tables and I kind of quickly put it down there and like, like, hey, what's going on? Where are you going? So he told me that on Friday night, now again, I can't see any of the TV coming back to North America. I don't, I don't, I have no clue what the TV coverage was like back here. But he told me on Friday night that he made a prediction that, that Brian Harmon was definitively going to close, that he was going to hold on for the next 36 holes, which is saying a lot if, if that's exactly how it played itself out. Because, again, you're only halfway through. Now, he had played great halfway through. He's 10 under. But nonetheless, it, it, was, it was impressive to hear him say that. But I thought the story of him introducing himself was <laughs> kind of funny and how all that went down. <laughs> all right, but I do want to know how it's going down with, with our people. Dom, what are we hearing today? Uh, what aren't we hearing? Oh, my gosh. Are we hearing a lot? Uh, hold on a second. I'm going to start reading stuff. You ready? Because there's a lot I'm of ready. it. All right. Let me shut my laptop, put it on my studio floor, and prepare here. Because we got a well, lot of people. How are you going to read from the people if you close your computer? Well, I've got, I've got a lot of monitors, Matt. <laughs> I don't have all the fancy cameras you have back here in my little studio space here. But yeah, trust me, I've got a lot of monitors. We're hundreds of miles apart. Everybody thinks that, like, I'm in one room and Dom's in the other. He's in Raleigh, North Carolina, and I'm in Orlando. That's true. It's true. I am uh, not important. Yes, you are important. (laughs) All right. Good morning. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning, guys. I got, like, 15 good mornings. Good morning. Everyone's very excited to talk about the Open Championship uh, the course was gettable, but there were too many stubborn bombers that thought they could overpower the course and had their lunch handed to them, Michael says. And we're starting That's right true, out of Michael. the gate here, obviously, talking about the Open Championship. Um, I'm sure as I continue through the comments, we'll start to hear comments about the broadcast, comments about some of the press conference sound that we've played, and comments about the Ryder Cup, which I would love to talk about for a very long time here. Uh, just goes to Robert says, just goes to prove you don't need to do anything with the ball. They just need better course design. He says, I don't know. Do you agree with that, Matt? Royal no, Liverpool. We're about complaining the, about I Royal mean, Liverpool's course design now. That's what's happening. <laughs> uh, no, that that's a person that's saying that the course held up very well against the best players in the world. However, the open is put on by the RNA and the RNA is absolutely going down the pathway of doing something with the ball. So it's, it's quite to the contrary uh, at the golf course. As you guys already know, I, lo- I do love Royal Liverpool, although of the open road, of golf courses, it is my least favorite. The golf course is much, much better than people think it is. The back nine in particular is absolutely remarkable. Absolutely remarkable. The par three 17th hole. It's not a good hole. It's, it's, it's just they need they're going to have to do work on it. But that happens. You have to understand having a brand new hole built and then having that brand new hole modified is not at all unusual. It happens all the time. Golf courses are. Wait, 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 wait. Did things. you just say it's not a good golf hole? What's your I problem with that golf hole? Andrew, leave it's, that picture a, up. That's a picture of the 17th. 
you can't tell from this photo, but it's an uphill par three. And the players can't see the green when they hit a shot, right? They can see, obviously, the flag stick, but they can't see the bottom of it. The way that 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 hole is designed is that it falls off in every single direction. So to hit a good shot there, you generally are going to be at least 20 feet away from the flag. More often than not, you're going to be 20 feet away from the flag. And you run the risk with every shot that you hit that a shot that is perhaps marginally off from exactly where you wanted to hit it is absolutely buried in a situation that was not warranted by by the degree of risk that was taken on. In other words... When a golf course is designed correctly, when a hole is designed correctly, risk and reward are in balance. The riskier attempt or line that you take has the higher risk of consequence. In this case, you can be as conservative as you possibly want to be and still could so- suffer a consequence that's not consummate and not in balance with what took place. Now, I know it looked good on television, but I 100% guarantee you, in my opinion, there will be changes made to that golf hole. So you think Other it's going to be made a little say, easier? I, I wouldn't put it in terms of easier. It's it's going to be made so that it is fairer. It's in balance, what, what I was just describing. The, the risk and reward are in balance. Because, among other things, when, when you're coming down the, the final stretch, like, for example, on, on 18, remember, the, the, whole, the course that, that was set up for the Open is not the course that the, the members play uh, day in and day out. The, the, the holes are, are rearranged. So on 18... You've got this out of bounds that runs all the way down the right side. The predominant wind is coming off the D estuary from the sea to, from the left, from left to right. So it's pushing you towards the, the in course out of bounds. I'm not crazy about in course out of bounds. I just don't, don't like them. But the angle that it requires for, for these players to hit is very odd. And that's why you saw so many players left. And there was, there was a, it wasn't really a rope line on 18 on the left side, it was a double fence, like a, it wasn't a Jersey barrier, it wasn't made out of cement, but there were, it was metal. And it, there was two of them, for whatever reason, for security, I guess, next to each other. And so, so many players just ripped it left towards what was our first hole, right? And then they, they would take their chances from there because there was so much gallery moving around there. Generally, everything was matted down and they could hit a, sec- a decent second shot uh, from there. In fact, I saw Rory McIlroy birdie the hole from over on that side. So that was a little bit odd, too. So, again, the back nine, by and large, at Royal Liverpool, the 10th hole was amazing. Uh, this was a hole that the last time we were there played as the easiest hole on the course as a par five. This time it played as an in excess of 500 yards par four and the players the bombers could only go so far before in the middle of the hole it was about 320 yards off the tee there was a series of dunes that rode down from left to right and kind of descended you know cascaded down so that you could go left of them I watched Wyndham Clark hit left of them but you were hitting into a space that was maybe about it was a little fairway but it was about 20 25 feet wide right so the best of the best of the best had to be careful they could go they could hit their driver, but if they caught it too well, then they were they were in the face of these dunes. So most of them laid up with like a three wood, and that left them a second shot into an almost redan green 
with a big bunker short and right, and everything shaped so that things would run down there in a green that that cambered from back to front and from right to left. And they had a shot coming in many times that was over 200 yards, sometimes 225 yards. It was awesome. So when someone's talking about, you know, course setup, I don't care what golf ball you're using. That was a very difficult hole to play. That was that was 10. Then 11 started the holes that were these right to left holes because the ridge line coming off the D estuary in the sea had as you as you were standing on the tees on the back nine, the high part was on the left side and everything cambered down to the lower part on the right. And the, and the water was to your left. The beach was to our left. So 11 was the first of those that 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 was a dog leg to the left. Right. Then 12 was dramatic. 13 was this awesome par three that when I was on the air, I almost called it a dog leg left par three. That's almost the way it felt because where the, where the tee was for the championship tee and the green was way off to the left. And there was like these series of dunes in between. Obviously they could hit it. There was 196 yards, but the wind was ripping off the left for three days, ripping off the left. And then you had this green that was kind of up to the left behind the dunes. That's why I called it a kind of almost dog leg. And then everything was there was from uh, left to right. And there was a big bunker on the right. That's where I was talking about where, where uh, Wyndham Clark hit it in the bunker with his drive, right? He was too conservative with his, with his, with his iron that he played on 13. He's in that bunker, had one foot in, one foot out, and he chopped it out. It came up hit the side of the hill, and it, because everything was shaped, it went right back around inside the bunker. He double bogeyed the hole, and it effectively finished his race, to be honest with you. That was 13. Then 14 is like, I called, I called 14 the big sister of 12 because it was the exact same shape. It was a left-to-right dog leg. And just like 12, your second shot, you're hitting, again, back up that dune, that ridge line of the dunes. So you're hitting back uphill to a raised green complex. In the case of 14, like I said, yeah, it's kind of like, I think, the, the, the older sister of 12. But I'll tell you what, this older sister is nasty. She's got a bad attitude. It is a fabulous golf hole. And very, very tough because it falls off hard in front and on the right side. And even on the back left, there's like a runout swale over there. So that's 14. 15, you got the par 5. 16, a really difficult par 4. About 461 yards, but was playing in the wind all week. Then you have 17, which is hold on. And then you have 18, as I explained, which is challenging because of the, the, the drive and then the second challenge at 18 are all the bunkers that protect it. Which you saw Brian Harmon found one in the final round, but he was able to get up and down from. So the, I think the back nine at Royal Liverpool is very, very, very solid, save for the work they're going to have to do on 17. And I'm not talking about anything major. They're just going to have to soften some of the edges so, that, so it makes sense. Besides that, that's outside of the fact of, of having a conversation of what the members would otherwise have to face in playing that. It's just It's just... It's good, but it's what happens with a lot of new holes, especially when you're when you you know you're touching up the the Mona Lisa, that it's overdone, and they'll figure it out. I'm I'm not worried about that. Sorry about all that, Dom. You asked me about it, and you got me on a run. So so what else you hearing? <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna try and read like twenty or thirty comments, and you need to do the best you can to keep your mouth shut. <laughs> okay. 
<laughs> All right. And then when I'm done, you can, whichever one made you the most, uh, I don't know, the most antsy, you can comment on that one. Okay. Antsy. All right. Let me just barrel through as many as I can here. Okay. John says, he hauled in the big one, quote, brilliant world feed, Matt. You and Paul and Maureen, I had the TV on while I was listening to you. Paul says, wet driver faces can lead to weird results. David says, too expensive to keep redesigning courses. Robert says, open radio is terrific. Derek says, I saw negativity in the U.S. media, which is stupid in retrospect. Brian Harmon's play will be remembered as one of the all-time great Lynx golf performances right up there with Tom Watson and Peter Thompson. Zach will get it right, Angel says, obviously in reference to the Ryder Cup, which we will get to. Uh, Harmon was one of the few guys landing the ball short of the green and letting it run up to the pin. David says, we don't need Brooks. Obviously, again, referencing the Ryder Cup. Uh, Sean says, NBC's coverage is terrible. The butt-kissing of their anointed few is sickening. And before Brian even struck a shot on Sunday morning, they were dogging him. I think that's a little aggressive, but I watched a lot of the coverage. That's not entirely wrong. Uh, the, Rory on, the Rory coverage on TV was laughable, Paul says in response to that. Angel says, high-calorie breakfast, obviously in reference to the photo we, we showed. Again, there's so many comments. This is for, That was from an hour ago. Uh, Harmon has contended in majors many times, far more than Homa. This Cinderella, Dunlop says. That was a great line, Matt, Bob says. The people's champion. Loved listening to you, Matt, David says. I think that tractor, the Kabuta tractor that he was talking about in the press conference, is over $100,000 in cost, obviously. Beautiful Open Championship weather, a true test of golf, a true champion. Let's see here. Brian Harmon's putter and his mirror device will be flying off the shelves after that amazing putting display. Andrew, can you put his putting stats up? The... uh. We have stats from his putting. There you go. I don't have to. I don't have to read all that. You can look at it while I'm reading these comments here. But that's just. Uh, it shows you how extraordinary his putting performance was this week. If you want to look at what's on your screen there, uh, Paul says Rom complained about playing with Rory. Let's see here. I wonder if we'll see Rory trying out Harmon's putter. Laugh, laugh, laugh. <laughs> The beauty of golf, you never own the game. Wow, Brian's pretty damn eloquent. He's a good old boy from Georgia. Brian, unlike Rory, is a class act. Not a fan of Rory. Sean O'Connell is not a fan of Rory. With a name like O'Connell, I would have thought you'd be a fan of Rory, Sean. What's that about? Uh, The little guy smoked the field. I love it. Good morning, Cam McMaster says. Late to the show, Cam, I see. So there's just an endless supply of comments here, uh, Matt, about the uh, the Open Championship, which I love. It's great. But here I'm scrolling down just a little bit. I want to start to get into a little bit of the discussion about the Ryder Cup. Andrew, why don't you put on the screen the the Ryder Cup standings for both the European Tour and the Ryder Cup Tour. These are the current standings, folks, for both the teams. Those are not projections. That is how it stands currently. And we'll get into that in just a second here. Uh, Rom looked rusty. I think it was a mistake not playing the Scottish. I mean, he needed a break. He had been playing for like a million weeks in a row. Um, let's see here. How come you're How come you're allowed to comment, but I'm not? 
Yeah, because my comments are short and concise and simple. Your comments you never are I read, short and I read a comment, and, and then I say, oh, blah, 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 and then I move on to the next comment. I said to you, I said to you something about the 17th hole or whatever, and then you said, let me take you to the back nine at Royal Liverpool. (laughs) It's like nine minutes of talking, which is fine. It was glorious. I can't do what you're doing, but but we're reading comments right now. Uh, So, all right. um, I'm trying to get here to the, the USA. Here we go. The USA doesn't need Brooks, David says. So if you're looking at that, all right. Let's get in, let's get into this a little bit, Matt, uh, okay. with the Ryder Cup, and then I'll start reading Ryder Cup comments, and we can go in depth here. So I don't know if you want to open with some general comments, or you want me to explain how the points work, or there's a lot of layers to where we could go here. What what do you what do you want to do here? What, yeah, what are you feeling? I, I, first of all, just I I wrote down some of the, I mean I was listening to some of the things that you were reading. Uh, thank you to everybody in terms of what you guys are saying about the radio coverage. Uh, like I said, we love doing it. The, the, cra- the crew that we have has been working together for many years. We have, we have a guy in that crew who is named Ron Jones. And if you're listening to the broadcast, the, the, the parlance, the vernacular is obviously going to be British. And so Ron is constantly described as uh, – that, that's not Ron in, in, the, in the preview shot that you have. There. I don't, unfortunately, I don't have one in, uh, that I sent you from this year because I, I, he's a commentator like me, so we don't actually go out together. Uh, we've, we went to a couple of pubs together. But Ron is, I think, 82 years old. L- let that settle in for a second. And he retired a few years ago from doing soccer, what they call football, and so he's constantly referred to as a legendary football broadcaster. I don't know how or who I could compare that to in the United States. And the reason I'm saying it that way is that radio still has a special place and a special meaning in the UK, uh, more so than the United States. In the United States, television has seemingly taken over in terms of its perception of importance over, say, radio. Uh, which is interesting because if you actually look at stats in the USA in terms of how people consume media, radio's doing just fine, thank you very much. But there's a glamour that's associated with the television side. But in the UK, uh, you know, where you have multiple countries in England and Wales and Scotland and Northern Ireland that are together as the United Kingdom, in these far-flung places with a whole variety of different opinions and favorites and passion for their world of sport, particularly for the world of uh, football, British football, then someone like Ron Jones comes in and he's got this magical voice. And he felt like he was done last year at St. Andrews, and they basically brought him back. They pulled him back in. And he will be a part of our Ryder Cup coverage as well, which I don't know how much you're going to hear from the United States because I think Sirius XM brings over their own team. You'll probably hear our, our world feed early if you're, if you're up at like 2 o'clock in the morning. But you can always hear what we do on, you know, you can be able to hear it on RyderCup.com. There's a lot of, I'll keep you guys informed so you know how to do it. So, so yes, uh, thank you for, for everything that you guys said and all the support that you've expressed. I keep getting messages about that winning call, and I'll be honest with you, when you're in that situation, you don't really know. You're on automatic pilot. Let me put it that way. 
And I didn't really remember what I said until you guys played it back this morning on this show, to be honest with you. So it was it was pretty cool to hear it like that. And I, and I think that's probably the case for anybody that that's in that kind of situation where you have to perform and you have to get it right uh, because it, it becomes part of it becomes part of history, right? It's, it's the official call of, because the, we're actually working for the open. That's why it's the open radio. Uh, so it, it's, it's gotta be capable of living in forever. And it's, and it's weird on those occasions when you, when you're in a time and place where you, you just have to get it right. That's, that's the only option that you had. Um, the, the coverage on the television side, again, I don't, have any clue what happened on the TV side. And I admitted that to you. I don't, I just don't know. Obviously I had, I had no way of knowing any of it and where we were staying didn't even have the, I couldn't even see like sky sports or watch any of that that was going on. I will tell you that television by and large has a habit of trying to frame the outcome. And what I mean is, is they, they try to guide down the road I think it's dumbing it down, but they try to guide you down the road of what might happen so that you're intrigued by the possibilities. I mean, it used to happen all the time. The way we, I used to phrase it when, when Tiger was playing was pick a name, Graham McDowell. And, and, and the, the throw to break would be Graham McDowell clings to a three-shot lead as Tiger Woods starts to charge up the leaderboard at seven shots back. There's no... I'm not disparaging Tiger Woods at all. Tiger Woods could have very well have climbed up the leaderboard and overtook in that fantasy situation. But to go to break that way is to instill in the viewers a reason to hang around. That's what it's about. So I don't know what happened with the TV. All I'm telling you is that's very typical in terms of trying to shape a story when reality tells you one thing, but on the on the other side, uh, you know, they're 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 trying to still make you believe that Rory McIlroy, for example, has has a chance to come charging back when everything about what you're watching is going. Uh, no, I don't think so. That's not what I'm seeing. And I was assigned that round that that. John Rahm was upset about that was one of the rounds that I was assigned to call. So I saw that too, where someone was talking about John Rahm and, and uh, you know, John Rahm had a 63. So I have no real complaints about John Rahm. He's just fiery. He's just got a lot of passion when he, when he channels it, he shoots a 63. When he doesn't channel it, he shoots a 74. He, and he was aggravated in the first and second rounds. And then of course he didn't seem as aggravated in the third round and shot a 63, which I think kind of speaks for, itself uh the, somebody mentioned those kabuta tractors uh, i've seen them they're awesome they're just awesome and i like he he didn't tell his wife what he paid for it I, I agree with the with the comments about the the putting and the putting devices a lot of these are best players in the world and they use those devices uh, so they're worth looking into i i don't know what they have at the pj tour superstore for those but i'm sure they have them if not check them out online at pj tour superstore.com uh, uh, now, as far as the comments go about about uh, Brooks Kepka, and this kind of leads to where Dom wanted to start. Right now, the United States Ryder Cup team, remember, six automatically qualify. Scheffler, Clark, Harmon, Kepka, Shoffley, and Cantlay. Those are the top six. The next six in order are Homa, Young, Spieth, Bradley, Morikawa, and Fowler being 12th. 
Okay, there's two that you don't see in that graphic. Uh, that be Colin Morikawa at 11th and Ricky Fowler at 12th. 13th is Sam Burns. 14th is Justin Thomas. 15th is Denny McCarthy. 16th is uh, Kurt Kitayama. 17th is Will Zalatoris. 18th, Harris English. 19th, Tony Finau. 20th is Chris Kirk. So when you talk about Brooks Kepka, Brooks right now is fourth. Brooks, because of the way the world of golf is structured right now, for better or for worse, and I happen to be one who believes that Brooks Kepka 100% should be on the United States Ryder Cup team. If you look at two, three, and four, Wyndham Clark, Brian Harmon, Brooks Kepka, all three American players, all three won a major this year, beginning and end of conversation, done deal. Not to mention what Brooks did at the Masters. Done deal. They should be on the team. However, the current, to use the, the phraseology, which I really don't like, the current ecosystem has it that Brooks Kepka is done gaining points. He can't get any more points. So we are in a situation right now where there are four events left where players can continue to accumulate Ryder Cup points. Two of those four events are playoff events, which means they have a $20 million purse. And given the fact that the Ryder Cup points are awarded based upon uh, the way that it works is you get 1,000 points. So let's I'll put, it, I'll put it this way. Yeah, Dom, you define it for me better than I am because I'm, I'm, I'm confusing myself in terms of how to describe it so that people can understand how the points work. Jump yeah, in where you want. Andrew, Andrew put the, the two-team list. Or actually, just put the U.S. It doesn't matter. That's fine. Let's put that up. So the way it works is, and the reason why this year in particular, because of the ecosystem Matt is describing, is such a different and unique animal is because the elevated events' purses are ginormous. And the way the Ryder Cup qualification process has worked forever, for a while, is you get one point per $1,000 that you win. So in the past, say the past 15 years, if you win a golf tournament, you know, you'd win $1 million, you'd win $1.5 million. But now for the elevated events, you're winning ginormous sums of but money. But that's what I was trying and to get at. So, t- so if you win a million dollars, it's 1,000 points. That's what, I, that's what I was trying to, to verbalize and completely tripped on my own tongue. So when you look at where Brooks Kepka is at fourth, 9 million. No, 9, it's 9,421.145, right? <laughs> that's correct, yes. Right? 9,421. He could be overtaken by Xander Shoffley and Patrick, Patrick Cantlin. You can look at those and go, eh. Look, a top 10 just in the playoff events. A top 10 is a minimum of half million dollars. So even if, if both don't do it, one of them can do it. And then you've got those other names that I, that I threw at you. Max Homa's like 1.2 away from him which means that Max Homa would need to collect in the four remaining events of which we know he's going to play in the playoffs, he would need to collect approximately 1200000 And what Don was talking about there, he was talking about a winner's portion, which is for the playoffs like $3.6 million and change. So Cam Young, 
Jordan Spieth, Keegan Bradley, Colin Morikawa that I mentioned to you. If you look, even any of those guys, you go down, I think you could go down as far as, say, like uh, 19th place is Tony Finau. He has 4,380 to Brooks Koepska's 9,421. Okay. Well, how much, how much does he have to make in order to catch him? What, again, I'm, I'm way, way down to give you this scenario. That would mean that Tony Finau would probably need a top 10, one top 10, and to win a playoff event, that would do it. He would overtake him. Now, there's, very, there's all kinds of other scenarios that could take place. You just do the math, right? So I think that Brooks's position as a result in Ryder Cup points at this point, because the 20th of August is when it's, done, it's said and done. It's after the BMW. I think, I think it's precarious for him to stay in the top six because of the current ecosystem and the way the points work. And the question is, would Zach Johnson give Brooks Kepka a captain's pick? They played a practice round together at the Open. I'm of a mindset that I would like to believe, yes, he would. That, frankly, if this was two months ago, I think the politics at play would be that he wouldn't have gotten one. But... With this idea right now that, hey, we're, we're all going to sing Kumbaya together, I think that Brooks Kepka would end up getting the captain's pick. And again, I, I go back to the same comment that I just made. I don't know how you can't pick an American player who won a major championship and finished second in another. I just don't know how you could ignore that. Not to mention record. Uh, that's why I'm, I'm, you're thinking through all this stuff. How do you pick those six spots? And there's so much movement that, that still is left. So, Dom, I know you've probably got some comments in this, and, and I'm sure we're hearing from people too. Uh, absolutely. Uh, my question of the day, incidentally, was is if Brooks, Kipka, if Brooks Kepka falls to seventh in the Ryder Cup standings or worse, should he be a captain's pick? 83% yes, currently. But that still leaves 17% of the people saying a guy who won the PGA and finished second in another major and is seventh on the standings is, ah, no, he shouldn't be on the team. See, I so hope, there's still I hope some we hear animosity and anger there. Well, no, I hope we hear from the 17% because I, I would like to know what the grounds of justification. Is it because he went to live? Is that what uh, it's I, about? I mean, I, I, I haven't. I'd have to read the comments to see, but I would assume, right. I, you have to assume that is the reason. All right, you read I don't the know if anyone said that. Uh, Gooch should be on the team. Free the Gooch. I agree. Gooch. A lot of people pro uh, Taylor Gooch here. Well, I mean, he's, uh, he's just won pick- many, many times. I think he deserves a look, too. Um, okay. I think that's a very different discussion, but okay. Uh, just pick 1 through 12. No qualms. Easy way out. There you go. Okay. They used to do that. It used uh, to be automatic to 12. Cam McMaster says, Shane Lowry not on the European team? Well, how does Matt feel about that? 
slow your roll, Cam. Uh, Matt <laughs> or Andrew, put the put the graphic back up for the teams. I'm just going to take a slight deviation here to calm these people down. The way the European team does their their team is very different, very different than the U.S. team. So what you'll see there on your right side of your screen is you have Euro points list and a world points list. The top three people from both of those lists that are not otherwise on the opposite list. So, for example, Rory is obviously on both the lists. So the top three from each list automatically qualify. And then you have six captain's picks. So to Cam's concern, if you will... Shane Lowry is like the next person in line on the world points. And I think he's fifth or sixth or something on the Euro point, the Euro points list. He's going to be on the team. He's just not currently. He is not in an automatic qualifying spot that, and now that, that does mean that he's not on the team without a pick currently, but he is like the next guy in line based on these lists, essentially. So don't freak out, Cam. And also, Matt, I know it's very important for Matt that Shane Lowry's on that team. So, but everybody relax. Uh, they, <laughs> Elsie says, they hang on to Rory because he is the Luigi to Tiger's Mario. They don't want to admit that Brooks is the Donkey Kong they should be talking about. I thoroughly enjoyed that metaphor. <laughs> Fantastic. 1990s video games. Big fan of that. Uh, let's see here. I agree. I like how you're you should have back. one. I'm, I'm like I'm like a dog that's looking at a squirrel. I have to hold you back. You've got that. too much to say. We've got to calm down. Uh, yeah, hear from you, the people. You, you and did then the whole you Shane Lowry later. thing in the Ryder Cup just to taunt me. No, I didn't. That's not true. Uh, I agree. Zero, one through ten, and two captains picks. What about that question mark? They can change how they do the captains picks. That's at the captain. Yeah, it's up to the captain. But they haven't. Yeah, uh, Brooks, Gooch, DJ, and Bryson should be on Team USA. <laughs> And Patrick Reed, he says. Someone else said. Hey, you know what? It's, it's two to, months away. And it's Patrick two- Reed. I think Patrick Reed has been absolutely playing as hard as he can. I think he's he was trying desperately to get Zach Johnson's attention for the Ryder Cup team. And you know whether you like these players or dislike these players, that's up to you. But I think at some level, everybody has to respect and appreciate the fact of how hard these players are trying to get on that team. All of them. I'm not just talking about those players you just mentioned, but all of them are, are trying like crazy to represent the United States. So let me make something clear about the point structure and the volatility. If you were watching the show earlier, we had Zach Johnson's press conference after he finished his final round. I mean, he finished, you know, like tied for 50th. He was, I think he was five over par, but he was obviously asked a number of questions about the Ryder Cup. And he talked about the volatility with respect to the elevated events. Yep. Matt, Matt, I think the name you used was Tony Finau. And I think the actual name is Harris English, who is 18th on the list. Because of the purse for the two playoff events, we have the 3M Open this week, and we have the Wyndham Championship, and then we have the playoff events. Now, most of the guys who are in the top 10 here are not playing in the 3M Open this week, or in, not all, but most, or in the Wyndham. Those are guys trying to get into the playoffs, etc. And people like Justin Thomas, by the way, who's playing this week, and he has committed to the Wyndham, because he's trying to impress Zach, and he's trying to collect points. But everybody else is pretty much just playing in those two playoff events. Because of how much money is in that purse, you can go all the way down to Harris, Ling- Harris English, who's 18th on this list. If he wins, he jumps into an autumn, not into a not into a good position. 
into the automatic qualifying position on the points list. In years past, literally just last year, Matt, we wouldn't go past maybe ninth on this list in Jordan Spieth because the winner would get 1,000 points or 1,200 points and go from 7,200 up to 8,000 8, and change or whatever and jump into a qualifying spot. Yep. So it's a huge gap. We are now throwing an additional 10 players into play because of this purse. If they win, they can jump up. So we're not spending any time really talking about Kurt Kitayama, who's 16th on the list, who has 5,700 points. If he plays really well in the playoffs or wins a tournament, he is like basically automatically on the, on the Ryder Cup team. And that's the volatility, the volatility that Zach Johnson was talking about. Is he saying, listen, I can't. It's so different now with how big these purses are. There are so many guys that could automatically qualify that we're not talking about. Denny McCarthy is 15th on this list at 6,200. If he wins, he is on the team. He'll get to 10,000 points. He'll be like fourth on the list. He'll automatically be on the team. It won't be a captain's pick discussion. So this is a much more wide-open situation, Matt, than it's been in years past. And we've seen... Danny McCarthy and Kurt Kitayama and Sam Burns play really well this year. I'll, I'll, I'll put it to you. All these names that we're talking about, Sam Burns, Kurt Kitayama, Harris English, would you be sh- absolutely shocked if they won a playoff event? Because I nope. wouldn't. I wouldn't be shocked at all. Not, Any not of at those all. guys could be on the team. So I know I'm, 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 I'm reading a lot of people's comments, and I just, I'm, I just went nuts there about the points. But I don't know. What, where, are you, where are you sitting with all this right well, now? Well, all, everything you're saying, Dom, is validating what, what I just said before you. What I'm trying to illustrate is because is, this whole conversation started with Brooks. And Brooks's position, again, in my opinion, he deserves to be on the, pe- the team, but he is not insured of an auto- automatic spot. And when you and I were starting the program this morning, and we do what we always do, basically this, this show goes on 24 hours a day. It just happens to be that an hour or two or more of it we're we're sharing with you guys and dom and i were discussing it. dom was surprised when i said i think brooks is in real trouble for an automatic spot right and dom you were you were shocked that i was saying that you, you just didn't believe that that would be the case i still i still stand by my original contention first of all uh, for uh, for clarity you and i are both on the same page I believe Brooks should be on the team. So do you, whether he's in a qualifying spot or not. But I still think, personally, I don't think Matt agrees with me. I don't think he will drop out of that spot because right now he is in the fourth spot. And he is, he's at 9,400 points. He would need to drop two spots. And I'm hesitant to think that there'll be enough guys close enough to him to play really well in back-to-back playoff events. Well, he has to drop. To, he has to, to drop leapfrog three spo- two spots. Yeah. He has to drop three to be out of the automatic. And what I think is going to happen, I think Shoffley and Cantlay are, are going to take over spots four and five. He's going to drop to six, and then it comes down to that scenario you laid out: Homa, who's yeah. who's only one point two million dollars behind him. Homa, Young, Spieth. Bradley, Morikawa, if any of these guys, and then you can even go deeper in the chasing pack, someone is going to win these next four events, right? And one of these guys in a chasing pack are probably playing in the next two events. And then you've got the playoff events where everybody is going to be playing in the playoff events with a $20 million purse. You're going to make a half million dollars if you finish like 10th. 
So well, I, I, I can just tell you right say... now, I've got the, um, we'll go down. I'll go down. If you finish 11th, you will win 505,000 points in a playoff event. Excuse me, $505,000, which is 505 points on right. the list that we're talking about. Right. Now, uh, do me this favor. If you've got your computer open, you can pull up. Pull up this week's field. Okay. And probably the easiest way and for you to do it, Don, would be to go to, like, somebody that previews. Uh, I'm sure PGATour.com has it. No, I've and got I've do, got the list right in front of me. I mean, they, the, the way the, to field the big names that you want to know about. Yes, that, that's that are part know. of this discussion. Yes, Justin Thomas, Tony Finau, and Cam Young are in the field this week at the 3M Open. And Cam I haven't Young looked at the Wyndham, and it's not set, but I know Justin Thomas has entered the Wyndham. He's committed to that. That happened, I think, yesterday. So Justin okay. Thomas is playing the next two events because I don't think he's actually currently in the playoffs. He's 75th in the FedEx Cup. Right. And you have to be in the top 70 now to get into the playoffs. So he's trying to get into the playoffs in the next two events. But the money he's going to win in the next two events count towards his Ryder Cup points. So if he plays decent in the next two events and then gets into the playoffs, he's going to collect even more money. And he's 14. But you also mentioned Cam Young, who has 7,679.308. And... Yep. Cam Young could very easily thrust himself into one of the top six automatic. He just needs his partner sure. to wake up. His I mean, if he, wins, if he wins, I think he'll get into a spot. If he wins this week, well, he'll, get, he he'll get into yeah. a, a qualifying spot. Yeah. What's, what's well, it's only a million whatever, one point whatever million dollars this week. No, no. This week's going to be more than that. It's going to be probably like 2.1 or something in, those, in that vicinity, I would guess. Oh, I don't think so. Hold on a second. One point four zero four million. That's way less. Than that's what, what the winner gets. Okay, that's way less than what I. Well, thought. it's, right, it's not even, even one point four though. If Cam Young, you said yet one. See, I don't see. I'm not trying to be crazy about it. Although these are the top players, they can do it. But I'm not trying to be crazy about it in asserting that you know they're going to win twice and it's it's foregone. What I'm looking at is a mix. It's the reason why they're eighth in Ryder Cup points is Cam Young, where you have good solid performance every week. And so, yeah, could could we see a scenario where it's a second-place finish, and then it's a 15th-place finish, and then it's a seventh-place finish, and then they finish 11th? That would be enough. That's what I'm saying. These are the best players in the world. And you've got one who's stuck. He can't – they're not – make any points. So, anyway, Dom, I – and, I, and I, it's hard for me to say that I hope I'm wrong because I'm not wishing that any of these players play bad. I want to see them all battle and play well. But I, but my instinct still tells me that that Kepka is going to end up being outside of the automatic top six because of the way the math works. Yeah, but I mean, like I said, it gets it can get because there's two other events, right? The three M Open this week and the Wyndham Championship. Yep, there are guys way outside this list that we're not talking about that could thrust themselves into being discussed. I mean, you look at someone like Gary Woodland. Would we be shocked if he just went on a run? No. He's 90th right now in the FedEx Cup standing, so he's outside of the number. But if he wins the 3M Open, he's going to jump into the playoffs and jump up the standings, and then who knows? So there's a lot of names here that could still uh, make a run. So let me read a few more comments here, because there's plenty of stuff coming in. Um... 
Let's see. Spieth and JT should be on the team. They are pretty legendary, you have to admit. The European team hopes JT plays. <laughs> I find it hard to see that JT... Whoa, whoa, whoa. Why, why would someone make that comment? Play. The European team hopes JT plays. Is that based on current form? Because his yeah, Ryder Cup record is 6-2-1. and one. You see, because the American Ryder Cup team went through 10 to 20 years. one comment. <laughs> but, but in fairness... <laughs> You see, hold on here. Let me get out my the, novel. The, oh, no, but, 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 but. <laughs> the American Ryder Cup team went through decades where you had the same players with losing records that kept getting put on the team. Or maybe they automatically qualified their credit, but we had the same people on the team that had losing records. I know they wanted to win. I know where their passion was. I know they loved representing the United States. I get all that. They had losing records. Now we're talking about an embarrassment of riches. So when you talk about Justin Thomas, and bear in mind, the mindset right now is that it is Team USA, not Ryder Cup team, not President's Cup team, Team USA. That is the way that the players who have now put themselves in a position where they make the majority of the decisions that affect them, which I applaud them for, Those players in Team USA, their records matter. So I'm, that's why I said Justin Thomas, 6-2-1 Ryder Cup. His Team USA record, which is Ryder Cup and President's Cup, is 10-2-3. Now, I know a lot of people roll their eyes when, it, when we talk about President's Cup and say, well, it's really not comparable to the Ryder Cup and blah, blah, blah. I get it, but he's 6-2-1 in the Ryder Cup. So when we're talking about these players getting on a team and not getting on a team, it's dramatically different than when we were talking about players getting on the team that seemingly had to be there for Team USA, but had horrible Ryder Cup records. All right, Don, that's my soapbox tonight. Okay. All right, now I lost my place. I find it hard, I find it hard to see JT not being on the team. From a European team perspective, I want Homa on Team USA. A bat Dahmer on OT today. OT, what time is it? We're still rolling. We've been on for running long. Yeah, yeah, we're going to be. I guess we're running long. Whatever, whatever. Like Matt said, the show is. We were arguing literally like we're arguing right now, like an hour before we came on the air. Yeah, the show's (laughs) been on for hours already. Yeah, it's fine. It's the way it is. My biggest question is Zach Johnson as captain? Question mark. Fowler would be a better pick than JT. I I think the the sound that we had. I'm talking again. I think the sound we had from from Zach illustrated how good he is, how smart he is as a captain. I have no issue with him right now as a captain at all. And I f- frankly, I feel the same way about Luke Donald. I did feel the same way too. I, I liked Henrik Stenson as a captain. And I hope when the dust settles and all this junk that he goes back and, and once again is allowed to be a captain of the Ryder Cup. I hope that the resolution of all this allows some normalcy in the world and that we're, we're not putting people in, in particular boxes and going, no, we don't like you anymore, but it's okay for all of us to, to be in business together. That makes no sense to me. But I think Zach Johnson's doing a great job from his leadership perspective, and I think the way that he made the comments that he made to the media were very telling and very much in balance. He does not have an easy path in front of him in deciding what he's going to do with those six captains picks. The reason they did it through COVID 
all the way through that is they wanted players that they may have qualified based on performances that now were quite a bit down the road, and they wanted to make sure that the captain, in that case Steve Stricker, had the ability to pick players that were hot right now. It puts Zach Johnson in a position where he has to make six picks when he probably, by the time we get there, he's probably going to have two to three times in terms of numbers and players that have a variety of different reasons that they are justified to be on the team that he's got to pare down from. He's got to, he's got to go it's three to one to, for the position that he has to fill that it's not easy. Derek says, can't pick JT as much as I like him. He's in a bad place. Surf says JT definitely should not be in the team. Now in fairness, He's not way down the rankings. I think he's 14th, and he's he playing 14th. this week and next week. And uh, but he's clearly searching form, Dom. They're right. He's he's. I I agree, but recent form has always played a factor in these captains' picks. Always, there's there's a, a ton of examples of guys who were not on anybody's radar, and they won a tournament two weeks before the Ryder Cup, and the captain wants them on the team because they did that. Now, I'm not saying that's JT, but I'm just saying that could easily picked. be anybody captains pick veterans for yeah. a whole variety of reasons and it's 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 generally a mixed bag of results i'd say it's 50 50 on picking someone based upon past performance merit uh but it is but it is definitely a criteria jt just needs to take a break finding his happy places just isn't happening on the golf course uh reed deserves to be on the finding team he's in good place. form good product placement yeah. <laughs> that's right Rory versus Reed is worth it, no matter how this unfolds. That was quite a battle. Um, but you have to take into account team chemistry, I think, right now. And even though it seemingly live in the tour and PIF, and they're all sort of trying to play nice right now, like a lot of the agenda-driven stuff has sort of been dialed back, I think, on both sides, I still think Zach has got to be concerned about camaraderie and team chemistry in that room. And I do think for better or worse, someone like Bryson in that room would be more polarizing on the team than Brooks. I get the sense that Brooks is just more welcomed than Bryson would be or more Patrick Reed for that matter. Do you disagree with that? No, I don't, I don't, I don't necessarily disagree. I don't, I don't really know what Bryson's, uh, how much he, he would be welcome or dissenting to the group, but, but Patrick Reed, yeah, he's he's a flashpoint. I don't see Patrick Reed being picked. I don't see there's any way possible Patrick Reed being picked. And and I'm not just saying that based upon uh, whether whether it's he's sitting at the popular table in the in the schoolroom lunchroom or not. I'm saying that based upon his performance, he's been good. He's and he's played well in a number of different majors, but it hasn't been good enough to make it an overwhelming choice. So I just don't see him getting the pick. I don't see it happening, and I don't see I don't see any chance for Bryson. This is interesting, these two, these two back-to-back comments from Cam Young. Because you were talking to me about Cam Young. I, think, I can't remember if it was off the air or on the air. I think Cam off. Young will win one of the next four events. And then the next question, or the next comment, excuse me. Derek says, Cam Young is not a finisher. He hasn't learned it yet. I don't know if you want to share what you share with me off the air or some version of that. Well, no, I mean, I said I said during our, our worldwide broadcast this past week at the Open, I said that he was cursed because <laughs> I, I, I was following Cam Young for 36 holes, his final 36 holes. And I'm going to tell you 
and we could go back and do the research. I'm going to tell you that he had birdie putts that were all makeable at least 20 times. Now, again, ask the questions and I'll answer. You could say, well, what were the distance on him? Up to 30 feet. You could look at that and go, ah, oh, 30 feet is not very reasonable. But at least a third of those were inside of 10 feet. And some of them much closer than that. But at least a third were inside of 10 feet. At least half of those were inside of 20 feet. If you look at the I've got putting, stats for you. If you look at the putting stats on the PGA Tour, right? So just take what I just said and average it, say, to 15 feet. You're going to be looking at somewhere around 70, 73% make, make percentage. He was nowhere near that. Not even close to that. He just couldn't get the putter to work. And we know that that's the book on Cam Young. He was hitting shots that were absolutely awe-inspiring. One after another, after another, after another. He couldn't get the ball in the hole. So if Cam Young, whoever said that about him winning the next few weeks, right? If Cam Young gets even to average with his putter, if memory serves me strokes game putting, he's ranked 175th on tour. If he gets to even average with a putting stat in a given week. And that's what happens with these great ball strikers. I mean, you look at the year that uh, Colin Morikawa won the Open at, at Royal St. George's. He was number one that week in strokes game putting. The week prior, he was dead last. So these guys that struggle with the putter, at some point in time, the golf gods touch him and, and, and they can do it that week. So if Cam Young even finds an average performance... Yes, I totally agree. I, th- I think he's going to win. The bigger question with Cam Young is, and it's a fair question to ask because it's got to be proven, is that if the putter is a window into the soul, if one's putting performance is based in some way upon the way that your neurons are wired and the way you handle stress, then is that the person that you want sitting on the wall at a Ryder Cup? Fair question, right? It's based upon his own performance. Ball striking, one of the best, if not the best in the world. More credit to him. Look what he did last year at the Open at at St. Andrews. It's just this year at this Open, and I'm saying these comments as strongly as I am because I was an eyewitness to it, that putter was, was the problem. And you ready for me to give stats on that? Because I've got proof. Come on. Strokes gain approach at the Open Championship. Cam Young, first in the field, almost 12 shots. Strokes gained off the tee in the Open Championship. Cam Young, first in the entire field, almost six shots over the field. Strokes gained around the green... How many people are in the field? 156? 146. 2.58 shots he lost on the field. Strokes gained putting. 143rd out of 156. He almost lost four shots to the field on the greens. And then I've got even more stats for you. From 5 to 10 feet. Are you ready for this? This is... 
This is no bueno, folks. From 5 to 10 feet, 4 of 15. 15 putts from 5 to 10 feet. And he missed. <laughs> he only made 4 of them. Yeah, well, he That's, okay, And he so was 5 under par and, and finished... He he finished tied for eighth. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. He finished he finishes tied for eighth. And bear in mind that's the that's the exact same distance that Brian Harmon, who putted out of his mind, made, if I'm not mistaken, fifty eight of fifty nine putts. Uh yeah, he made fourteen. In fact, I actually think that's true. Andrew, put uh, Brian Harmon's putting stats up. From five to ten feet, I think Brian Harmon had the same number of putts. He did. He had fifteen putts from five to ten feet. He made fourteen. Cam Young made four. <laughs> that is mind melting. And what did he finish at? Thirteen under par. So if, and he was, I think, what did uh, he finished at five under par? So if he had made not, he didn't even need to make fourteen putts. If he had just made some of those putts, he could have won. That's again. Four that's just. That's just that distance is what I'm saying, and that's just he could have overtaken well, from, him just from in ten that category feet, from ten feet to twenty feet. Yes, he made eight of twenty-one, and he didn't make. He only made uh, one putt from twenty to forty feet. See, uh, it was I, a what flirt. I was what I was giving you, I was I was estimating. I said thirty putts, but what you j- did just shows. And again, I'm not saying he's going to make all of those 30 putts. I'm not saying that every well, one well, of those 30 well, the putts should have becomes, gone in. The question becomes, Matt, with that putting stuff, if he doesn't get into an automatic qualifying spot and you're Zach Johnson, like these stats are on the open.com. This is not hard information to gather here. Is that enough for either the other players on the team or for Zach and his vice captains to be like, listen, we can't. We got to think about this. Maybe this is the wrong decision. The Ryder Cup is about putting. Everybody there is a great ball striker. He may be the best ball striker of the entire lot. But if you can't get the ball in the hole, that is a problem. So right now, based on what I saw, and he could change the narrative in the next few weeks, but based on what I saw over this past week, nope. If I were in a position, he wouldn't get a pick. But, but... All right, I'm going to say something awful, all right? This is going to be terrible. I feel bad even thinking this, but I've got to say it because golf is, it's a sport and we love it, right? But this is just entertainment, right? It's all TV ratings and entertainment. That's all it is. Cam Young is a young superstar. He's marketable. He's one of the faces of the tour. Who isn't? Um, Kurt Kitayama. Denny McCarthy, that's a great example. I think Denny McCarthy's 15th on the standings. He is an unbelievable putter. I don't have the stats. I can look it up. But he's probably top 10 on tour, Matt. And he's a machine on the greens. Could you argue, could you argue, listen, for ratings, for interest, for superstar stuff, we need Cam Young in that slot instead of Denny McCarthy, even though we know Cam Young might make less putts. Do you um, think that argument is being, being made behind closed doors? Well, Denny McCarthy doesn't, quote, move the needle. So I don't care if he can make the putts. We need someone who's going to move I, the needle. I, I don't, and I don't think Cam Young is moving the needle yet. I'm not trying to take anything away from Cam Young because I think he, he still needs to develop and who he is. He's, he's you know, you talk about, about, about 
Young Star Connecting. I'm not convinced that he has the Rory like or Tiger like it factor yet. And when you mention particularly the latter with Tiger, everyone throws their hands up and goes, you can't compare anybody to Tiger. It's just not fair. And I get it. I get it. But I'm talking about the it factor, the marketability that Dom's talking about right now. Uh, I believe what's going to happen is that my, my heart tells me that Brooks is going gonna, is gonna to drop out of the automatic six based upon the math. And I believe that Brooks should get a pick that only leaves five more picks. Now, we're looking at a time and place, and we have four significant events still left, two of them being playoffs, and it could change everything. But of those remaining picks that are left, you only now presumably would have five if Brooks got one of them. Okay, where do you go with those five? If you're, t- if you're going to have a conversation with me and talk about market ability balanced against performance, then the, the pick one of those five picks is going to go to Ricky Fowler. Whether you like it or not, if you're basing that, if that's part of the criteria to say, well, ratings are important and, you know, we're sitting in the back room and, you know, who do we want in the team because everybody likes him? Who do we want in the team because all the fans love him? Who do we want in the team because the sponsors like him? Who do we want in the team because it's going to bring in viewers? Then you, one of your five spots just got taken by Ricky Fowler. Now you're down to four. Who's another one that fits that criteria and has a great record? I think record that could happen, by the way, Matt. I think they could, regardless of how things unfold, just pick Ricky Fowler because of that. Right. But who else has that it factor now that we're talking about and has a great record in the Ryder Cup? Jordan Spieth. Now you're down to three. You see how fast this thing whittles down? Keegan Bradley's had incredible performance. Well, Tony Finau's got to prove something, though, from a playing standpoint. He's, what, 19th on the list? There's a lot of traffic in front of him. Keegan Bradley is currently 10th. No, I'm saying Keegan Bradley is currently 10th. Bleeds red, white, and blue, right? Has experience at the Ryder Cup. He's been playing great, winning events. Theoretically, now you're down to two. Right? Do you ignore Colin Morikawa? Right? I get that his Achilles heel is the putter too, but it doesn't flare up with the same instance, and he's a great ball striker. Colin Morikawa is currently 11th in points. Take him. Don't take him. Justin Thomas over the next few weeks, take him. Don't take him. Again, great record, 6-2-1. and one. It's very different than conversations that would have had even, even less than 10 years ago. But definitely within the last 20 years where players kept getting on the team because they're on the team. So when you talk about these decisions over do they, do they pick players because of marketability, et cetera, the one that they used to do that with was Tiger. It was foregone in any American team that if Tiger was capable of playing, that he would get a captain's pick. Automatic. You have it in front of you, Dom. Tell me what Tiger's record is in the Ryder Cup. I don't have it in front of me, <laughs> but I can look it up. <laughs> Hold on. But you understand what his I'm saying? Rider in, his Ryder Cup record is 13-21-3. So... That was where that's American tie, by the way. That's Half. where American Ryder Cups were going on some two decades. Right? And again, I'm not taking anything away from the decision to have him there. If the, if the team wanted him there that badly, they wanted him there. That was it's it's the captain's choice. It's their decision. All I'm saying is, is we're in a different place right now because the current crop of players that we're talking about, will they, won't they, should they, shouldn't they, 
we're talking about players with much better records. Now, having said that, I would like to know what Ricky Fowler's record is at the Ryder Cup. Three, seven, and five. That's what I thought. Great. That's what I thought. I mean, he's. Pl- I mean, he plays in a lot of Ryder Cups. But I also we've been on this discussion for for years. It feels like Matt. I, I kind of want new blood on the team. Yeah. Like let's put some new bodies in there and see what happens. Like I was looking up Denny McCarthy's stats. He's twenty fifth in the FedEx Cup points standings. He's got six top tens and thirteen top twenty fives. Incredibly consistent. He had a runner up this year. He just hasn't won yet. And the stats I was I was I mentioned I thought he was one of the best putters. Okay, well, not only is he one of the best putters, he is third on tour in strokes gained putting, fourth on tour in total putting average, and look at this. From inside 10 feet, he's first on tour, 92% of his putts inside 10 feet. You're talking about those knee knockers and this, that, and the other. 1,300 putts he's attempted inside 10 feet. He's only missed 100 of them. But... I mean, and, and, that and sounds putting, like someone you want on your Ryder Cup team. Yeah, no, not so fast. Putting is a great equalizer, and that's why I like Denny McCarthy a lot. But ball striking is important. If you are that good at putting, then your putting is making up for errors someplace else. So what you need to do is go on to PGATour.com and hit the stats. They're not that bad, man. He's, he like, he's like 80th. He hits like 67% of the Tell me where he is with accuracy off the tee. Distance relative to his competition, uh, his greens and regulation percentage, all of that is important. And I'd also like to know scrambling. Those are the other factors because that. So he's 87th in total driving, which isn't like the worst on tour. I mean, I'm not saying that's not even average, but okay. 62% is how many fairways he hits. What what does that rank him? Like 60s, 63rd on tour. Okay. And then his greens and regulation percentage is 67%, which is 70th on tour. All right. So he's basically less than average. He's not 180th on tour in all these stats. He's, well, he he's, wouldn't he's be where he is average. in those finishes if he was. But what I'm telling you, Dom, is he's less than average in all of those other categories. So while putting is still a great attribute, he's got, he would have to tighten up those other areas. Now, he still has a chance. He's got four events still in front of him. That means something, and he's playing well, and he's trending. So it's, it's, just, it's part of what makes golf so incredible that you can get a ball striker like Cam Young, who is not a great putter, and then you can get a ball striker like Denny McCarthy, who's, who's knocking on the door but not even average on the PGA Tour. That's one of the best putters in the world. And it's, it's so funny that the old cliche that, that Lee Trevino said is that God doesn't give everything to every golfer. And he, he was talking about the wedge with Jack Nicklaus because Jack Nicklaus wasn't a great wedge player. Right? In this case, many times you find the great ball strikers are okay to average to bad putters, and you find the great putters are okay to average to bad ball strikers. It's and obviously none of them are particularly bad in, in a category. Let me ask you a fairness. generic question. I want to read some more comments before we say goodbye, and I will do that. But I want to ask you a generic question. Would you rather have player A, who is 35th on tour in everything? You know, like top 30, top 40, putter, driver, 
hitting his greens, whatever. Or would you rather have like a Denny McCarthy, who is the one of the, the one of, if not the in best that comparison, player on tour, I'd take player B. who is eh. In that, so in that comparison, McCarthy. if it if it's somebody that's thirty fifth in everything, or somebody that's number one in something and otherwise less than average and all the rest, I'll take the guy that's number one in something. Would you? That's the reason, is there that's a why they're so high up on the rankings? Is there a cutoff for any particular stat? So, for example, if you are outside the top. 100 in putting. I don't want you on my team. I don't care how good you are at everything else. I mean, like I said, or or I, I, outside I, the top. You already asked me the question. I already told you that right now I wouldn't put Cam. I would not make Cam Young a captain's pick because the way he's putting. And if I remember correctly, he's 175th on tour in putting right now. So when you talk about a number, uh, to me, anybody that's 150th or higher in a critical stat like putting just wouldn't do it. Now, the fact that they overcome it with incredible ball striking is a credit to them. The difference with Cam Young is that what I'm talking about is not set in stone. The, to me, he still has four events left. And I don't know what was going on with him this past week. I know what I saw because, again, I, I was with him for half the rounds. And it was one of the, the most impressive ball striking performances given the conditions I've ever seen. And with the putter, that's why on the air I, I said that he was cursed because I've never seen somebody with so many chances and they couldn't get any of them to fall. And many times he was catching a lot of the cup and they were not going down. One time he hit the flag stick. So maybe he's not as poor a putter as you're saying he is. He just had bad luck. Uh, luck could have been a factor in it, but when you're hitting the edge of the, of the cup, you're not hitting where you're aiming at. You're not aiming at the edge all the time. You're aiming for the cup. You may be playing <laughs> for the edge for it to move. It could have been that he was misreading those fescue greens. I think many of the American players coming over were misreading the amount of movement. There was a lot less than what they thought. The greens are very subtle. And that's why the, the, I, can't, I can't overcome his stats on tour, the 175th. But I can say that he might be able to find it on a particular grass. He grew up in Scarborough, New York at, at Sleepy Hollow. He's, he grew up playing bent. So he's going to get probably three weeks of bent, a little Poe mixed in there too, which is always there. So can he change things? Yeah. Is he going to be exhausted mentally and phys- physically after the Open? Yeah, a lot of players will, but he's got mad talent and he's young. So he he definitely can change the story, and I hope he does. Because if if he, like I said, if he could even find average putting, he would be unstoppable. That That's how good a ball striker he is. All right, let's barrel through some more comments here before we say goodbye. P. Reed really gets up the nose of the Europeans. I would definitely pick him. Uh, Cam Young is a good player. Reed is a match play animal. Would DJ be a good pick? DJ went, uh, went five wins last time. Uh, Cam Young also needs to try Harmon's putter, maybe that mirror thing. Interesting thought on Young's putter. Uh, let's see here. Again, TW likes stats, but because it's Brian Harmon, he won't get talked about because he's not Tiger. Let's see. I agree. Uh, Harmon got up and down a lot. Do you want to win or not, Derek says, as the, the banter is going back and forth, seemingly saying, who cares who you pick? Do you want to just pick, pick who you need to pick to win? Dustin uh, jo- Johnson, obviously, completely out of form. I don't know if that's true. Didn't he win a live event this year, Matt? I think he won a live event. Yeah, he's not out of form. Yeah, he did. 
Fowler will get picked. Fowler gets a pick. These are different. He's not Bradley won't get in. Speeth will be picked. I'm just, these are all separate comments. He's just, they're just picking the team. <laughs> Fowler will get picked. Fowler gets a pick. Spieth will be picked. Bradley won't get in. Finau was the USA shining light in Paris. Thomas, no chance. Finau will be picked. The rough will be brutal in Italy. I've never even heard of McCarthy. <laughs> Who is this guy? <laughs> well, if he wins and makes the team, you're going to hear about him. Uh, I lo- Kevin writes, I love it. We all sit here talking like we know everything, when in fact we have no idea what happens behind the closed doors with the Ryder Cup captain and his associates. Putting comes and goes, David says. The Greens were tough at Liverpool. Uh, MBT3 writes, and this is a question Matt can answer, were they a tad slow, question mark? Between yes. the rain and the fact that it's an open, I would say they were definitely slow. Oh, the effort was slow. Yeah, you've, you've got these yeah. Greens. Like I was explaining to you guys earlier in the show about the back nine, there are so many raised greens on those that dune ridge and exposed. You can't get, and you're not going to have those greens putt slower than the rest. So I would say before the rain that the speed of those greens was no more than 10 on the stint meter, uh, right? Maybe a 10 on the stint meter. Uh, but then as the rains came, it slowed up even more. And that definitely throws off a lot of players. Fair enough. I mean, we got plenty more to go through. I could, I could talk for an hour and a half about, the Ryder Cup, and we will for the next few days. We did if, more than that, Cup, if Brooks Kepka falls to seventh in the standings, should he be a captain's pick? Final results, 82% say put him on the team, man. All right. Very cool. Yeah, you know, I've been saying and saying and saying for weeks that we'll get into the Ryder Cup on the other side of the Open. I didn't realize we were going to do it the day that I came back, but I'm happy that we did and happy to continue this conversation on the U.S. side. We can talk about it on the, on the European side. We have plenty of time as the weeks unfold, and we used a great deal of time in yours today, which we thank you for. What were we on, Dom? Two hours and 10 minutes or 15 minutes or something like that today? Uh, it's because I, for we those who talking. don't know, years ago, Matt, our show was two hours every day. Remember those days? Yeah, we did a two-hour show was, for years. Yeah, but the difference was if you looked at the two hours when we used to host every day on radio, the content portion of the show was about an hour and 15 to an hour and 20 minutes of actual content. If you look at what we just did, like for, for, for us to go two hours and 15 minutes or whatever it's going to end up being, even if you take away our, our breaks, uh, we're going to end up be, having delivered almost 45 to 50 minutes more content content than we used to when we used to host a show at that length every day. And that's just because of the length of breaks and promos and all the rest of the stuff that, that we used to have to do when we were working for a big corporate entity, which we are no longer in this instance. This Fairways of Life is ours. It is the only independent daily live golf news and talk show in the world that is available for free. Uh, so just make sure you, you subscribe to us on YouTube and make sure, please smash that like button for us because for whatever, there's some metric that follows that too that they tell us is important. I don't know what it is. But uh, if you're able to help with this, with that, we, we appreciate that. And thank you to all of you for your kind comments. Andrew, you can cue it up as we're going to break. Uh, the, the, the winning call from uh, Royal Liverpool on Sunday. It always is an honor to have your company. It was an honor to be in the company of Paul Eels and be able to make that call at the oldest major in the game. Can't wait to continue this conversation with you guys again tomorrow. Until then, goodbye for now.
Brian Harmon. Staying resolutely in his routine. This is for par at 18. This would be to keep him on 13 under par, but he has this championship firmly and comfortably in the palm of his hand right now. This 36-year-old from Georgia. He's a sportsman. He loves to hunt and to fish. And he's holding the big one. Brian Harmon is the champion golfer of the year. He has won the 151st Open at Royal Liverpool.